Blog Talk Radio. It's been a long road getting from there to here. It's been a long time, but my time is finally here. I can feel the change in the way right now. Nothing's in my way. This is Dr. Jess Armine coming to you from the Institute for Methylation and Bioindividualized Medicine here in southeastern Pennsylvania. I am ecstatic tonight. I am absolutely ecstatic. We have a great speaker who I'm going to introduce in a couple of minutes who's going to speak about another hidden illness called antiphospholipid syndrome and lupus anticoagulant uh, that most of us haven't heard of, unless you happen to be in my particular group of people. We talk about this all the time. But nevertheless, um, it affects many people, and I am grateful beyond measure that he's here to uh, tell us his story and give us some direction. Uh, before we get started tonight, uh, let me make a couple, of a couple of announcements. The seminar on methylation and bioindividualized medicine that is being given in Philadelphia in um, January 15 and 16 or 17, 18, whatever, that weekend, okay, is in full swing. And we are getting uh, continuing medical education credits and uh, continuing education units uh, for the uh, seminar. It uh, has to be determined how many hours we're getting yet, but we're definitely getting them. So there are some seats left uh, if you'd like to learn more about our entire way of thinking. Uh, this would be a good time to go to uh, www.mabim.org and sign up for the seminar. Uh, there will be, we will videotape it, so it will be available afterwards. Uh, aside from that, uh, things are going wonderfully. Um, I can't tell you how many people were helping and uh, were just ecstatic about it. And uh, I better stop staying ecstatic. I'm not supposed to say the same word several times in the same paragraph. So <laughs> let me introduce our guest. Uh, our guest is James Weedmark. James, say hi. Hi, how are you doing? All right. Uh, James is uh, is a spokesperson for the APS International. Uh, he has he has dedicated himself and this organization to spreading awareness of the condition you're about to learn about. I understand he was diagnosed with um, the more serious form of this in uh, 2006. He went from being a generally healthy guy to uh, being extremely sick very quickly which I think is uh, important because I tend to hear that particular history a lot. So what I'm going to do is uh, give him the floor. Now, guys, for some ungodly reason, the chat room here on Blog Talk Radio is not working tonight. So if you're on the chat room, I cannot see you. 
Okay. If uh, you'd like to speak with James uh, when we finish the interview, <clears throat> you can call in at 646-595-2277. Okay, I'll announce that several times. Okay, and um, just uh, for everybody to understand, the reason that one of, one of the main reasons that this particular syndrome is incredibly important is because it attacks phospholipids. And guess what? As you've heard me announce about 4 million times, the cell walls are made of phospholipid bilayers. So once they start attacking that, do you think anybody could possibly heal? Well, it is possible, and I think James is going to tell us it is possible, okay, but it is one of the reasons why uh, this syndrome becomes uh, is so devastating because once you start messing with the cell walls, once you make them dysfunctional, guess what? Nothing's going to work. James, I, I turn the floor over to you. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and go for it, my friend. Thank you very much. Uh, well, in, initially I was diagnosed about seven years ago. I was uh, working for a manufacturing company here in London, Ontario. And uh, what, it, what uh, started to happen to me was uh, shortness of breath, chest pains, and uh, severe headaches and uh, issues with memory issues with my ability to think. And uh, it, that kind of stuff seemed to progress as as I went forward. And I would uh, see my doctor um, end up in emergency rooms. They would do scans of the heart. They'd tell me that I was fine. They couldn't find any problems. And away I'd go back to my life. And obviously, within a three or four days, you'd be right back at the hospital again trying to get another diagnosis or trying to find out what was wrong. And uh, meanwhile, you're having incredible difficulty breathing, difficulty do basically doing anything with your life. Uh, I think it took probably seven visits to uh, three different hospitals before I was finally diagnosed with uh, lupus anticoagulant. And by that point, I'd had so many clots on the lungs. I think... Uh, well, they basically gave me um, the diagnosis of maybe six months to live. Uh, fortunately, I'm still here with you seven years later. Um, as That's you know, amazing. Well, yeah, as, as you were just saying, um, lupus anticoagulant and uh, antiphospholipid syndrome are basically similar, except for the lupus strain just seems to be a little more aggressive. Um than the apps strain by itself. And uh, the way you were explaining it earlier is exactly what antiphospholipid is. It's uh, an autoimmune disease where your immunity turns against you. Uh, instead of going after infections or or uh, things that seize in the bloodstreams that it, that's wrong, it goes after uh, healthy tissue and starts attacking that, causing stuff like blood clots, uh, pulmonary embolisms. It can lead to uh, TIAs, uh, strokes, heart attack, um, deep vein thrombosis, uh, all kinds of issues. Um, as far as who gets it and who doesn't get it, um, really, it, it doesn't seem to discriminate at all. It, uh, more common in women, especially during stages of pregnancy, um, as I'm sure you've read or heard, a lot of women who are 
have this fear just due to a fossil lipid syndrome where illness will come up during that we tend to We tend to think, or, or, or the common wisdom, is that um, a, a genetic uh, polymorphism in MTHFR is the reason for... Um, is the reason for miscarriages during pregnancy, but um, this sounds like it'd even be a bigger problem, you know, that this may be one of the major reasons. Is it? Is it one of the major reasons for miscarriages during pregnancy? I personally think it's one of the largest reasons that we currently have um, from what I've been reading and studying up myself. And you've got to remember, too, that the information you're getting directly from me, I'm not a doctor. I'm only somebody with the illness. Yeah, but you're very, you're very well, you're very well read, and this is this is something that you've dedicated your your life to doing, is spreading the word about this. But uh, what it basically seems to do, as we were speaking before, it, it, it's looking your autoimmune system is looking for something in the body that it, it just seems to think is uh, is foreign, and uh, basically it likes to attack uh, fetuses. Um, I think that's one of the largest reasons for pregnancy loss in women. It, uh, between that and the fact that it uses clots to 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 do its attack, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for the longest length of time, um, since, since it was so commonly known as a woman's disease, uh, there was actually a, a high percentage rate of men who were diagnosed with uh, any phospholipid syndrome at autopsy, um, not while they're still alive, where there's an opportunity where lives could have been saved if blood tests had been given out earlier. And we're also seeing now, more so than before, that uh, antiphospholipid syndrome is becoming an increasing issue with children. Really? That's that's another, uh, another entire area that we're looking at. Can you tell us, uh, while while you're uh, explaining how people can get it, and I apologize for interrupting, but um, thank you so much. Uh, Tell us, if you would, what antiphospholipid syndrome is, and I know you explained it, but I kind of lost it a little bit, and how it's an autoimmune, you know, if kids are getting it, and I'm seeing a lot more autoimmune diseases in children and a lot of other things that are happening a lot younger. Um, yes. Could you explain exactly what's happening in antiphospholipid syndrome? Well, basically, you know, speaking with numerous doctors, and, and trust me, I've crossed all of Canada, and I've, I've spoken mm. with a lot of doctors all the way across Canada, they have absolutely no idea how we're getting antiphospholipid syndrome. Um, their base thought currently is either it's an environmental issue, it uh, could be a medication issue, you've taken something uh, that's caused the reaction of the body, or uh, there's been a large stress-induced trauma in your life that's, that's caused the immune system to basically go on black. So if you stop and think about it, autoimmunity illnesses are currently... Um, dramatically on a rise all the way across North America, especially if you look at, I think it was 2008, I don't have the most current number, but 2008, um, they were saying that uh, autoimmune disease made the top eight for uh, female deaths in North America. 
That is huge. That's a, that's, that's incredibly huge. So, and in order to make the top eight, that that's you, you've, got, you've got to basically sit down, stop, and, and think about that for a little bit, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Go ahead. Uh, no problem. Um, some of the signs and symptoms that people may notice ahead of time is uh, headaches, uh, chest pain, shortness of breath, uh, speech changes, upper body discomfort in their arms, back, neck, jaw, uh, nausea feeling, sick to the stomach, um, uh, another thing that I've, I've also noticed now that we're, we're talking about autoimmunity on this is that uh, with apps, uh, apps can either come as a secondary or a primary illness. Um, if you have an autoimmune system currently, let's say lupus, since lupus is, is quite a, a popular illness, a lot of people know about it, mm-hmm. and uh, then you're diagnosed with... Uh, with uh, antiphospholipid syndrome, antiphospholipid syndrome would become the secondary illness to, to uh, lupus. Um, but uh, I don't know if you're noticing this on, on your side or not, but a lot of people who are suffering with an autoimmune illness currently will eventually, you know, be introduced to a secondary illness of some sort. Oh, it's yes. Kind of like once the floodgates open, it's mm-hmm. wide open. And That's I something think, I've uh, we've absolutely noticed, right? Yeah, yeah, like uh, I've, I've noticed, you know, running our support group, we've paid attention to what people are listing as their secondary disease, and we have uh, surgeons, Crohn's, fibromyalgia, lupus. Uh, you see all of that on our on our group site all the time. So these are kind of things that uh, kind of make you sit back and wonder, okay, what exactly is is happening? And what exactly are we doing about this? Currently, I think uh, Western medicine, anyways, we're we're standing pretty strong at at the fix-it level. We're using thinners, we're using uh, uh, blood thinners of sorts to try to, you know, offset the symptom of the, of the illness. And I think that's something that we've been doing for years with, with all kinds of illnesses, disease. In our country, because uh, we seem to, to cater to the symptom, but we're not able to cater, to cater to the illness. To a certain extent, given given the given the seriousness of it, you know, uh, a little bit of uh, palliative or supportive, or in other words, putting putting some anticoagulants into something that might kill you might be a great idea until you get to the cause of it and fix that. Yeah, exactly. Now, see if uh, um, we're currently, or there's doctors even here, they're currently working on trying to figure out cures for the illness, but to date, there is no cure. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, we're kind of uh, still sitting at, at square one. But I think what we've been able to accomplish to this distance is uh, we've got the word out. People are starting to understand what's going on. Um, we have people talking. Uh, when people come into emergency rooms, I think now they're more apt to get a blood test than they were before. I think uh, it, it's something that's kind of on the radar, whereas before it wasn't on the radar. 
I, I know a lot of doctors that don't even know what it is. Yeah, it's, so, it's, I mean, it's so very common to hear that. Well, you know something? It's, it's, we're, we're pushing hard to change that. I'm I'm glad you guys are because this sounds like a, this is a deadly illness. Okay. It, it and truly is. Yeah. Now you said some of the signs and symptoms, which sounds suspiciously like a heart attack. Um, it is. Yeah. You know, and of course you'd probably get symptoms of stroke or anything. If your index of suspicion is high and you wanted to, either as a healthcare provider or as a advocate or as a patient. Uh, how does one get diagnosed? In other words, what tests are done um, to uh, to look for and uh, you know confirm the diagnosis of uh, APS? There's three blood tests that are currently done. One's called a anti-cardiopathin test, and mm-hmm. the second is called a beta two glycoprotein one, and one's called a lupus anticoagulant. All three are blood tests. All three can be done by your doctor, and uh, that's basically the best best place to start. And if if you sus- like suspect that you have this sort of an issue, I would definitely definitely go in and uh, and ask. It's especially when we're at the uh, what was the, the number I was reading today? Forty five percent of people who are eventually diagnosed with. Uh, um, uh, autoimmune illness are considered to be hypochondriacs prior mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. Uh, diagnosis. It's you have 45%. So in, in the face of these people walking into the hospital, feeling the way they do, uh, watching their lives diminish in front of them, and then you know being told that whatever they're feeling or whatever's going on is is false or fake or Know, basically, this stuff's happening inside your head. It is, it's just more stress. It's more stress. It's more I agree. Pain. I agree. Basically, that that fuels fuels the illness itself, right? I completely so, agree, James. Yeah, we we've always the uh, what I've never understood with some of the um, practitioners out there of of any ilk, by the way, is when they yeah. can't figure out what's wrong, instead of saying to themselves, "Gee." I don't know what's wrong. They start blaming it on the patient. Like, I can't find out what's wrong with you, therefore it must be in your head. Like, that's the height of arrogance in my estimation. Okay, but who suffers? The patients themselves suffer. And that's why we need advocates. That's why we need good information and advocates like yourself because if you don't know it exists, you can't go looking for it. Exactly, exactly. And and we've... uh we do uh, printed brochures. Um, we have the three websites, uh, two support groups, and an, and an information group on Facebook. Uh, we push quite hard. And uh, as I was telling you before, I've traveled across Canada three times, stopping in at, at hospitals. And what I do there is I share my files with them, my mm-hmm. medical files. That gives the doctors an opportunity to look at exactly how they diagnose me eventually. Um, what blood work they did, um, kind of issues I've gone through with the illness. Um, my case is a little different in some, for instance, as I uh, continue to clot, I have extreme clots no matter how much uh, warfarin they put me on at the time. So they switched me over to Fragman and uh, mm-hmm. continued to clot, so they kept increasing the dose. 
uh, eventually I took the, well, I think at the time they believed that a human could handle 18,000 units of fragment in one needle. I was able to push that limit to 30,000 units. Wow. Um, in order to stay alive. So I also have an IVC filter that was installed. And even after that was put in, I was still plotting. So it was, it was a very difficult time. But when you get a case study like that and you walk he in. He can't argue. He's just staring at you. It's hard. <laughs> the doctor wants to see it. Well, you know something that the the unfortunate thing is in in this day and age, um, since the 1970s forward, um, the medical model has been um, what they like to euphemistically call evidence-based medicine. So um, the only problem is that the opposite, if there isn't whatever somebody considers adequate evidence, then it doesn't exist, which is kind of wrong because, let's face it, sometimes the evidence is poor. And um, but we have to, in order to get this uh, recognized in mainstream medicine, there has to be identifiable um, positive testing, whatever it happens to be. By the way, everybody, I just put all of uh, James's websites that he gave me on uh, my blog feed and everywhere where I usually am. You'll see here are the APS websites. Um, I just finished putting it on um, all the various blogs that I'm on. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. You, uh, we speak of autoimmune illnesses, okay? Yes. Um, and I'm forever talking about autoimmune illnesses because I believe that they're secondary to something else. And I agree with you. Once you see somebody with an autoimmune illness, they'll have RA, then you'll get Sjogren's, then they have a whole mess of other things going on with them. And downstream of that, they start getting dysautonomia, and, you know, it is... Um, Nasty, nasty, nasty. What is your thought about, uh, we know that autoimmune illnesses are building. We know that they're getting more common. We know that their yes. expression is changing. Okay, so it can yes. express a lot of different ways. APS is only but one expression. What are your thoughts about where all the autoimmune diseases are coming from? Why is there such enough wow. regulation in them? Where is, is my thought of where they're coming from? Yeah, why is there such an increase in autoimmune dis- illnesses? I honestly believe um, that environment plays a gigantic role, number one. Number two, uh, the way our food's packaged, uh, what it is we're eating, how we're living, it is, is number two. Um, mm-hmm. Put those two things together, and, and I think you've got yourself a mix for, for issues. And I, I suppose number three, like, it really depends on where you live. I know, crossing Canada taught me some valuable lessons. If you're on the west coast, they they work to live. If you're in Ontario, you you live to work. It's a completely different environment. Um, here, if if you don't have uh, your eight hours in and then something to do in the evening, like some kind of a job or work or something on the side. Uh, you don't have the respect of the people around you. Whereas out there, as soon as the clock hits four, they're gone. It's it's time to fish. It's family. It's it's uh, live life, right? Right. Um, uh, you start adding stressors on top of uh, improper diet, um, improper uh, atmosphere. Like if you take a look at some of the, the you know, 
I, I don't know if, if you've been watching this recently, but they, they did a, uh, it's kind of like a chart between, in, in North America, I think it goes all the way down to um, Miami, all the way up to Northern Ontario, and the, the color lines change, and it shows you the, the different areas and what type of cancers lie within those areas. Mm-hmm. Have, have you seen that? I yeah, like, I've seen the uh, connection with that in the um, brain tumor uh, growth is really high in the mm-hmm. Windsor Detroit area, and then you go further north and you get into stomach and colon. I think if if you look at, at that map alone, you can almost uh, see as you get into the more populated, heavily in industrialized areas, you get into more uh, issues with. Uh, Pollution and so forth. Right. In, in our Envi- environmental environmental stressors, um, yeah. you know, uh, toxicity and so forth. There was a map and, that and I how saw much, once. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. No. 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 Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say the only other only other link they ever said to me was, uh, "Have you ever like what kind of medicines or surgeries have you ever had in your past?" And. Uh, for me, I happened to have been into a vehicle accident when I was younger, and I'd had numerous surgeries done on the leg. And I've often wondered, did I take medicine during that time? Is this, I had, happened to have had a blood transfusion during that time, and I wasn't sure if that was part of it. All these things well, cross your mind, right? There's there's a lot of oh, different stressors and a lot of different exposures that can can initiate a genetically predetermined. Um, you know, uh, illness and um, autoimmune diseases, I think, are have a certain amount of genetic predisposition. But as we all know, that genetics loads the gun, but environment pulls the trigger. I heard that you started an eye care campaign. I did. Uh, and can you tell us what eye care is? Uh, the eye care campaign that we put together was uh, the last trip we did across Canada. And uh, it was part of in- introducing Apps International kind of globally. And the idea behind it really was um, Apps introducing itself to everybody else, um, not just being about antiphospholipid syndrome or lupus anticoagulant. It was an opportunity for us to um, let others know we care about them too. It-, it made no difference what illness you had, it made no difference. Even if you had no illness, it was, it was a true door opener. It was a, an opportunity for for us to let other people know how we felt, you know, how we felt about them, you know, the people who have helped um, make everything we've done possible, um, the people who go to work each and every single day, the people who um, work in the hospitals, and, uh, other people suffering along with us those that uh, that aren't able to work due to this illness. So your and, your eye care campaign encompasses all chronic illnesses and anybody who suffers. Exactly. Exactly. That's because kind of what the idea was 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 about is basically to let people know that uh, we have an illness. We're out there doing the best that we possibly can, but we also care about you. We're stopping to listen. Does that make sense? And, yes, and basically. Yeah. To, to let people know that the, that they weren't alone. No matter where you were, no matter who you were, 
no matter what you were going through. And it didn't have to be an illness. You, you're not alone. We care. We'll listen to you. We'll stop. Let's hear what you have to say. And we did. And I, I mean, when we were crossing Canada, we all wore the shirts. And people walked up. The first thing they said is, what is it you care about? And it, it opened the door. It opened the door for us to talk to them and uh, share our message, listen to their their stories about them. And I, I think it was really important that we took that time to to hear them out as well and, and to understand how they felt about charities, how they felt about everything. You know, it, was, it was very important. That, sound, that sounds like a, like a wonderful endeavor. Um, it was. It, it, it did incredibly well. We were able to actually, uh, we offered the T-shirts uh, online. Anybody that was willing to go to a hospital or do some kind of service in their community, whether it was take brochures to a hospital or whatever, uh, they what they got is they got an eye care T-shirt and they got all the brochure and literature so they could go hand it out to their local hospital for free and we'd mail it to them. Sounds and like as soon as we offered that opportunity, it, we actually ended up with uh, sending stuff to seven different countries. That's what I was just about to let everybody know that it wasn't just local; that it's really spread, you know. And I think that yeah. you're hitting what people really, really need is is an ear. You know, they need somebody um, that will listen and advocate for them, because uh, there's still too many people out there whose healthcare providers and unfortunately families and are simply don't believe them. Okay, they they're yeah. They're suffering in silence, and that's 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 a horrible thing. Um, if if so, uh, there's someone out there listening to, and they're going through something like that, the best advice I, I can give them is, go back, go back, and go back. Don't stop. It's your health. It's your life, and you need to go back. You, if they send you out the one door, you walk back in another door, and you say. The exact same symptoms that you have to over and over again until you get the answers that you need to get because uh, um, that's what you pay for. That, that's, that's what the healthcare system is there for. And, and, and mm-hmm. you know, the, the longer you leave some of these illnesses, um, the more issue you're going to have down the road. If you look at antiphospholipid or some of these um, illnesses, if they're caught in very early stages, a lot of these people can continue to have a very productive life, uh, maintain their jobs, even if it's part-time, um, have have a decent quality in life. Um, but if you let it go too long, like, like you and I were talking earlier, the damage that's done to the body, to the organs, to the tissue, um, the brain, um, the, the person's, you know, self-esteem alone, it is dramatic. And I mean... It is. That... That costs all of us in the end. Now, what, it costs what us dearly. Yeah, people going into uh, Emerge cost too much money. We want them out. No. Ignoring people costs us too much money. And ignoring people I agree. sends the wrong message. It sends the wrong I message. I agree. Of, of, and that's why we're becoming a society of people who are afraid to reach out our hand when we see somebody that's that's down and out. Or, or somebody having issues. Well, people like you and your organization, 
okay, are part of a are certainly doing a wonderful job and a part of a larger uh, movement that I'm noticing that uh, people are no longer willing to accept uh, the the word of the uh, of of the provider or the individual that says, well, you just can't heal or you're just this is just in your head. Um, they're beginning to learn to go back <clears throat> and start asking questions and to keep going back and to realize that in most areas of the world that you can't swing a dead cat and not hit a doctor. So the doctor you're seeing is not the only game in town. You know, you can't, you know, even though he may be the biggest and the best specialist doesn't mean that he or she is right. Okay, and you just simply need to keep hammering away at it until you find somebody who will listen and do the proper testing. And that can be, you know, an alternative medicine practitioner, a naturopathic, can be an allopathic physician. It could be almost anybody, but... What we've done in our show that you've been, that you are now part of the family is uh, to empower people with information to go back with. Okay, when yeah, you go back with important. and say, "Hey, you know this, I could have this, you know, and I'm bringing it up to you, and I want you to test for it." And yeah. there's nothing scarier to a doctor than somebody with a list, you know, trailing red yeah. tape behind them, you know. <laughs> Exactly. Especially exactly. in this litigious society we live in, you know. Exactly. Um, now I have a couple of callers here. How about we uh, we take a quick uh, diversion here and see what uh, one person's been on the phone for fifteen minutes? So let's see if they're there and what kind of question they want. Okay, nice person in the three one eight area code. Are you there? Hi, Dr. Jeff. It's Sterling. Hey, Sterling. Did you want to ask uh, James a question? Yeah, James, I wanted to tell you something what we're finding in southeast Louisiana. I um, lived there. Um, I was there during the toxins during Katrina and then also the BP oil spill. I could literally walk from my house to BP headquarters. That's how I was in the heart of it. And um, we are finding, and we have a lot of doctors, and the New England Journal of Medicine has also put out that lupus, sojourns, are skyrocketing now. And they're linking it to it. Also, um, now me myself, I have the um, phospholipid issue. Um, I think it was a number of things, not only that, but I will tell you that um, my last pulmonary embolism was the first rain we got after the BT oil spill. <laughs> and, amazing. Um, yeah, amazing. Now, my first one happened after being about a year off and on on Cipro and Levaplan, and that was a major one. I was in the hospital for two and a half months fighting for my life. I still, I had to fight tooth and nail to finally get tested, and I had been dealing with blood clots and everything. It took me till this year to be tested positive for antibiotic syndrome. I was called crazy, even with the blood clots, because I do have that for 12 and 8, but, you know, I knew because I was reacting to a lot of liposomal um, products and um, different things like that, that there was um, something going on. And finally, I started getting rashes on my face. Dr. Jess can tell you they got pretty bad. I even had an alteration mm-hmm. come up in my eye. Mm-hmm. And turned my brown eye blue. And um, I was on, and then I had, you know, like you, the, the blood thinners and everything, seven years on Coumadin, and then the Coumadin, Unfortunately, stopped transporting calcium to my bone because it depleted my K. Now I'm loaded down with plaque throughout my arteries that I'm trying to get rid of. 
because of that, the calcium started going to my arteries instead of into my bones. Um, now, I am, I'm actually on nidocinase, so that's how I take care of it. Um, but I want to tell you that it's um, absolutely amazing. I, I really respect what you're doing to help people. Um, I have, um, I'm, a, I'm an advocate myself, and I have great respect for you guys and what you're doing and getting the Thank word you. out. But we are seeing a huge, huge increase of lupus. We already had one of the highest um, cancer rates um, in the United States. Now the lupus is unreal after Katrina and after the BC oil spill. It's getting bad there. In case anybody's wondering, um, the person you're listening to is Sterling Hill who is the creator of mthfrsupport.com and one of the biggest advocates for epigenetics and chronic illnesses that I've ever met. As a matter of fact, if it wasn't for her, frankly, I wouldn't know anything about the genetics that I know about her, um, including me in her research group and in her life and uh, all of her friends and all the people that I've gotten to meet has given me an entire new uh, perspective on health and give me the ability to heal uh, people with hid hidden illnesses. Um, if you talk about pioneers, and you know I'm always talking about pioneers, Sterling is the pioneer. Okay, Sterling is the person who uh, has promulgated the ability for many healthcare providers to be able to uh, diagnose and uh, cure hidden illnesses. And in the Institute for Methylation and Bioindividualized Medicine, she is the methylation, okay? So I just wanted to let everybody know that. Um, Sterling, what can I say? You're the best. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. I just, I, I respect anybody who's standing out there and trying to get raise awareness to these doctors because like him, I was also, um, it, it got so bad that my family didn't believe in me. When I laid in that hospital for two and a half months fighting for my life, I had not one family member come and see me because I had been told I was a hypochondriac like so many doctors. I had Amazing. pulmonary embolism, internal bleeding, septic shock, kidney and liver failure, antibody resistant infection by then, they let it go that far. And I can remember as young as 26 walking across campus having with my bag and um, my book bag and um, having shortness of breath, running to the ER, totally scared out of my wits, and them telling me, oh, it's just psychological, so, um, you know, take this pill. And I was on so many psychiatric meds because I was told I was crazy. And the whole time I really wasn't crazy, I was really, really sick. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Sterling, like I said, if it wasn't for guy, people like you, people like uh, James, you know, so many people with, uh, and I keep calling them hidden illnesses because it's such a wide variety of things that, I, you know, that it can express as. But if you haven't noticed lately, the tide is beginning to turn. Okay, yeah, our yeah. our listeners, they are going back to their doctors and demanding that they diagnose correctly, okay? And even, I've got to tell you, the doctors are now coming to our seminars and they're calling us up and saying, gee, you know, how do we learn this stuff? Now, that is somebody I respect. Yeah. It's just two types of ignorance, people. Ignorance I don't know and ignorance I don't care. Ignorance I don't know no, is honorable. I ignorance I don't care is I've unacceptable. Also, yeah. Go ahead. I've also had thousands of doctors and nutritionists and PhDs, MDs, PhDs, PhDs, 
from around the world to contact me. But really, really um, shames me though is that here in Louisiana, they don't even know I'm sitting right here, and you know most of them have no idea who I am and what, how I could help people. And um, it, it really hurts. Um, I've been just even here. When I lost my doctor in March, I had to find a new doctor. When I showed them my mm-hmm. apps that they normally don't do to this one particular doctor, um, she threw me out of her office. Uh, don't feel don't she feel bad. They do the same thing to me in Philadelphia. <laughs> oh, I know that, Doctor Josh. But right. um, you know that, that's how sad it can be sometimes. And, and yes, it is sad. You know, then it I is. almost wonder. I almost wonder if that's why our death rate for lupus is very, very high here compared mm-hmm. to other places. Because they throw the patients off the office and what listen. I went into a hematologist's office just um, before I finally had somebody check me for the antifractal lipid syndrome. He knew I had um, factor eight, factor twelve. He said, "There's nothing I can do for you. Just go to your MD." And I said, "But hear me out. Here are all my symptoms. I know that I either have lupus or antifractal syndrome, or maybe both." And um, he told me, "He said, why bother? You're on Thumin. Don't worry." That's when I got off the Thumin and got on the Nautokinase, and you know, I finally did find a doctor to test me. But it is—it took me so many years to get tested. It's sad that it has to be like that. It really is. We have a couple more callers, so I will say goodnight. And uh, thanks so much, Sterling. I appreciate everything, kid. Thank you for calling in. You're welcome. Hi, nice person in the 915 area code. Are you there? Yes, I am. And do you have a question for us? I sure do. I want to talk to James about, I know okay, that voice. I have, excuse me? I know that voice. You do? I do. Um, okay, James, this is for you. I have apps, and my factor family has factor 5 in it. Should I be tested for factor 5? And what does factor 5 do for me? Can you say that one more time? Factor five. That's it. it, it do I need to be tested for factor five? Factor five because it runs through my family, and I've well, never if tested it. Runs it. Through your family, you should. Yeah, it's, it's something that you should go have checked out. Because it isn't bad. <laughs> Everything else um, is bad. Well, I think you've been through lots already, and I think uh, you're a strong woman. And I think you've kind of headed up your family, so I don't. I don't think there's anything that can stand in your way. Me either. I'm not going to get up every time. You know, it's always well, the successful person is the one that gets up after falling all the time. You That's know, right. yeah. And so catching bullets in the hospital and bringing them home. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you said yes, I should be. T- I should t- be tested. Yeah, I, I think well, it should be. If your whole family's got something, then, you know, it behooves you to get it tested. Yeah. Don't you think? Well, I thought while I'm on a center, that's probably what they're going to give me. And <laughs> I already am <laughs> okay. one. So, okay, well, I'll, I'll be tested for All that. Right, well, thank you for calling in. I appreciate it. Have a good night. 
Nice. Oops, one more time. Nice person in the 254 area code. Are you there? Yes. And you have my a question is, for us. I sure do. Um, my daughter was diagnosed uh, at age 15 with APS. She had a blood clot that went from her hip, the top of her hip to her knee. It was quite large, and she was in the hospital for a couple weeks. And um, I learned during that time that a high number of miscarriages are one of the symptoms of it, and my sister's had 12 miscarriages. Wow. And, yeah, my question is, they, she was tested for it. Uh, the 12 miscarriages happened uh, back in her past. And yeah. so when my daughter was diagnosed, she was tested for it, and um, it came out negative. And so my okay. question is, can you can you have it and then at some point it goes it goes away? Uh, that's that's I've had one doctor tell me at one time that he's had uh, expectant mothers where the illness uh-huh. has come up just during the pregnancy. Oh, okay. Other than the fact when they when they weren't expecting, they absolutely had no issue of 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 any kind with the illness whatsoever. Okay. Now okay. I'm I'm not sure if the markers would still be there all the time. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know, Doctor Desk yourself. Well, it, it, as an autoimmune disease, okay, the markers can um, you can have the base and it be exacerbated by different stressors, be they viral, bacterial. Uh, fungal, uh, psychological stress, uh, physical stress like a pregnancy that may bring it out. Um, in, in the world of autoimmune diseases, um, I always tell people, uh, like when I'm talking about allergies, it's like a cauldron, you know, and you keep putting uh, inflammation, things that cause inflammation on top of things that cause inflammation. And once it gets to a certain point, and it overflows, that's when you start getting the symptoms of whatever you have the pre- uh, genetic predisposition for. And one of the ways of curing that is to reverse the process and go after everything that creates chronic inflammation or inflammation and start reversing it, like leaky gut syndrome, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Remember that APS or, or any, of, any of these other things are going to have a genetic predisposition that is being brought out by the environmental stressors. Okay, and that's just a broad term. So if you try and absent the, in other words, get rid of as many of the environmental stressors as you can, it is theoretical that you can have the markers go away. Okay? Okay. That's a real general term. Can it happen? Yes. Okay? How common it is, I have no idea. Okay. Now, was was your daughter diagnosed with the illness? Yeah, she... Yeah, no, she was diagnosed at 15, and she's the one that had the the large blood clot, and she's now 20, and um, we're, you know, she's doing okay. She's hanging in there on her blood thinners and all that, so. Good. Yeah, yeah, so. Anyway, but thank you so much for answering my question. Oh, most most welcome. Thank you for calling in, and if you have further questions, uh, just look on the websites. Um, I had perused them earlier, and. They're chock full of information. Well, I am um, part of the Facebook group, so I, uh, there's a lot of information that James Wonderful. puts out there. So, yeah. I'm, I, you All know, right. I, I, I run a few Facebook groups myself, and I'll tell you something. It takes, um, it takes a certain amount of steel, steely-eyed 
um, you have to kind of be a steely-eyed missile man to be on some yeah. of those groups because there, there's some people out there that really want to. <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it takes, uh, it takes. Uh, I, I can't say the bad words, but uh, I'm so happy for people like you. Thanks. <laughs> oh no problem. I know what you know to take everything with a grain of salt, and um, but there's oh, yes. good information out there. There is, and it's sometimes tough to differentiate it, but you always got to do your best and listen to the people who've been through it and uh, yeah. who have the tongue of good report, shall we say. Okay? Yes, I agree with that. I agree with that. <laughs> okay, take care. Okay, okay bye-bye. thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, I um. Okay. Hello, nice person in the 951 area code. Are you there? Yes, I am. I, I didn't finish my conversation earlier. This is Linda. From okay, Linda. California. Okay. Did you said I should be tested? Yep, that's what yeah. we said. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, and the support groups, oh, they are so helpful for us. If we didn't have these support groups, I don't know what any of us would do. I always call it a home that James built for us. And there's so many people need to be helped. And I, I thank you for this airplane. Uh, well, you're welcome. I'm happy to bring bring this to the forefront. You know, because I know that between you and... Because, uh, Linda, you're the one that got on my... Uh, got on my... Um, my blog and said you wanted, you wanted this to come to... That you're the reason that we're here right now. So I thank you very, very much... Because if it wasn't you mentioning it, I wouldn't even thought about having a show like this. You know, so uh, the very reason that we're on tonight and that there's going to be thousands of people who are going to be hearing about this and learning about this, and within that within that amount of people, people are going to learn and learn and be healed of it. Okay, is because you brought it up. So don't uh, don't feel that you're uh, any lesser part of this because uh, if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't even be doing this right now. Well, just, we do this for everybody, James. It's just us spreading the awareness. Okay. I know well, you're, you're the one to follow. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't know about this either. So I thank you for our homes, as I call it, and for being who you are. You're such a great guy. Thank you. Just for being well, who thank you, you are. Okay. Well, Linda, let us get on with the show. Thank you very much again for calling. We'll catch you later, Okay. All right, thank you. All right, bye-bye. Anyone else who has questions, please give us a call, okay? And uh, we'll be happy to... um, Now, where'd the number go? (laughs) Okay. It's going to be around here somewhere, I know. It's it's that kind of night. I can't even see the number. Um, 646-595-2277. Thank you. Okay, because I don't know what happened over here, but it just... Dropped out of place. You know where the number usually is. <laughs> you want me to say that one more time? Would you be so if kind? Anybody wants to? I sure would. And if anybody would like to call in and has a question for us, give us a call here at six four six six four six five nine five nine five two two seven seven. Yeah, <laughs> I've said it so many times. Beginning to two two seven seven. So you know, I'm I'm really uh, you know I knew I knew about I knew a bit about 
antiphospholipid syndrome. And I didn't realize uh, until uh, I did some research in, in preparation for our conversation tonight uh, how significantly serious it is. And um, well, we, have, uh, we, we do have a part of the illness called uh, catastrophic apps. I don't know if you read up on that or not, but I, I saw the, I saw the terminology, but is when if you um, could... basically the, the the illness goes into uh, high gear and it begins clotting more than one organ at a time. Say, for instance, the kidneys, the liver, the lungs, mm. the brain, uh, and unfortunately, with catastrophic apps, a lot of people. A large percentage don't survive that. Right, I would imagine. Um, and as you as you're aware, a clot through the heart alone it, it's a very risky business. Yes, it is. And a lot of these people who have lived with apps have had multiple clots through the heart, and so I keep trying to re- remind you know our group members and, and people with this illness that uh, if you're still here, it's for a purpose and a reason. Um, mm-hmm. You have to keep that in mind. I did have something here I wanted to share with you. I was thinking to myself, if I wanted to give advice to anybody with a chronic illness such as apps, um, I guess uh, trying to live your life in a systematic order, like your illness attacks you. It's very systematic, and your life should be kind of lived in a systematic way. For instance, educate yourself about your illness as much as you possibly can. And we're not talking about, you know, getting yourself paranoid or, or having a fear of the illness, but understanding the illness. Understanding what the possibilities are, where, where the illness could take you to. So that if you see, you know, any signs or symptoms, you know to get to a doctor, you know to get to see somebody right away and have those things taken care of or looked into before it becomes a larger issue. Number two is kind of have a plan for what you see your future being and what it should look like. Um, And that plan, you know, should be something that you were hoping for, something that you want to achieve. Um, Having a plan in your life keeps you from sitting down constantly thinking about your illness or constantly being worried or stressed and allowing yourself that time to take that stress off your body and your mind allows you a chance to heal in, in, in different ways. Another thing is to uh, uh, practice proper eating, exercise if, if it's possible, and definitely do stress exercises of some kind, whether it's practice your breathing, um, find a relaxing area, try yoga, and share your thoughts with your friends, your family, of what you're going through. And uh, the ones that just absolutely you know, refuse to accept that you're ill or, or absolutely refuse to want to take part in what you're going through. Sometimes it's best to, to know what dose level you can take those people in because uh, a lot of people went through a, a very difficult time trying to get their, their diagnostic, their diagnosis, like you heard from one of our callers earlier. So in those cases, people can join a support group and... Uh, I guess the very last thing I'd want to say to people is be very, very realistic with yourself of what your limits are and be prepared for those limits to eventually change. And if they do change, change with them. Don't allow it to become a a gigantic hurdle or a wall or, well, you know, now this 
know, there's been a new change in my life, so my life's completely over. I won't be able to do this anymore, do that anymore. Realize that as limits arise or, or walls pop up or, or this happens or that happens, just learn to adjust. You know, your, your best thing, honestly, at all times is to always look for the best in the situation and do the best you can with the situation. That's what helps you get through. And uh, and and continue to try. You know, you said that you have, uh, you seem to be very positive. You have uh, um, an organization there that's, that's working hard at coming up with, with uh, ways to help people uh, move forward with their lives and their health. And I, I've noticed here, uh, there was a time when you would never see alternative medicine mixed with Western medicine. Now it's, it's becoming a commonplace practice. We're, we're finally coming to that walk like that. It's a beautiful the, the thing. Wise, the wise becoming a, a you know a single lane highway, and it honestly should be. You know, yes, that's the way we call it integrative medicine, but that's the way it yeah. should have been to begin with. That true holistic medicine is the best of both worlds. Okay, true integrative medicine is the best of both best of both worlds. And there is a, there's a caller here for you. Hold on, there's a good there's a caller. Yo yo. Here we go. And the nice caller in the six zero three area code. Are you there? Hi. Yes, I'm here. This is Lauren. Hi. Um, hi. Thank you, James. First of all, for all the work that you've been doing on the website, I really really appreciate it very much. It's been. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> it's really. It's just like huge. I think I'm kind of speaking for everybody, but it's huge to have that support group knowing that you're not the only one who's going through all this stuff and that it's not all in your head. Um, so I thank you for that. Um, my question is that um, I've been dealing with the you know the extreme fatigue thing that goes along with all this and the confusion, the foggy headedness for like a couple yeah. of years. Yeah. Um, just this past summer, I started having issues with um, psoriatic arthritis. Yeah. And it took, you know, some back and forth and not real happy with, you know, people not really understanding the whole APS thing. Um, yeah. But my um, my doctor sent me to a rheumatologist, and they put me on, or, you know, after much discussion and debate, um, methotrexate for, um, you know, to start dealing with the, the arthritic symptoms. So the methotrexate, ironically, is it's, I suppose it's just starting, you know, they just bumped the dosage up a little bit. And it's starting to help with the arthritis thing. But the thing I'm noticing a huge difference in is the fatigue. Like I feel like a human being again. Not, you know, 100%, but it's just a, a huge turnaround for me. But I'm worried that where it's suppressing my immune system, is that a bad thing? With what's going on, like is that a bad thing? Well, is that, is that potentially doing more damage? Yeah, your your immune system is suppressed with having an autoimmune disease currently, right? Um, your best best thing, honestly, when it comes to your immune system, is to make sure that you're taking something to supplement it, help it out best you can. Diet, um, vitamins. Yeah. Um, whatever you possibly can to, to keep it strong. Okay. Um, that That's basically what I do um, personally. 
Okay. I have a vitamin re- regimen that I take each day. Okay. Uh, I completely changed my diet as soon as I was yeah. diagnosed. And I mean, it had to have made a difference. I went from being bedbound for almost almost six months to now I'm I'm, I'm up and about. So. Yeah. Okay. No. Okay. Uh, and if, if you have these these concerns or, or you're extremely worried about them, um, these are things that you should also talk to your doctor about. Bring them up and say, look, you know, these I'm worried about this or I'm worried about that. Is it like down the road are we going to have another issue, right? Or another physical problem because I'm taking this today? Now, right. Have you yeah. ever heard of hydroxyquin? That's another one. No. It's, it, it works with uh, with the arthritis issues. It's an incredibly okay. good drug. It, it honestly did take away the pain. It made fingers work again, the legs work again, but it it, it's, uh, it can be damaging to the eyes. Oh, um, okay. However, it was I think it was originally made for um, um, as a malaria drug. But anyways, uh, I took that for quite some time, and it was just recently I decided to come off it on, on my own. Yeah. To see, uh, to see basically where my body's at right now, if I can still have movement, how much pain my joints would have. Yeah. But giving your body a rest, like you, you know, that's how you said that you're, were incredibly tired all the time. You, and now right. you kind of feel like you've got a little bit of energy back. I right. find that yeah. anything that, that can that can give your body a break from pain, um, kind of gives your body a rest. You see the correlation between that. Um, when, when your body doesn't have to suffer, it, it has an opportunity to rest up and feel strong, feel whole again. Yeah. So okay. sometimes, sometimes uh, it's, it's uh, you have to try certain things in order for uh, to find benefit in, in a different avenue, right? But as your concern is, what's the long-term effect? Maybe those right. are some questions you should ask your doctor. Right, yeah. I should okay. help you out for a little while right now. Yeah. It's a, it's a plus, yeah. but I'll sit down and talk to him. Yeah, I I think I, would, I have an appointment like in a month, so I will definitely do that. Have you posted your vitamin regimen anywhere out on the site, on the Facebook page? No, no, I, I usually don't put anything. Oh, okay. I don't, yeah, I, I mean, don't want to get all personal. <laughs> No, no, it's just yeah. I, I don't want people to think I'm pushing a certain drug or medication or I think they right. should or should not do this yeah. on, on the sites. Okay. But I, I think, right. you, believe it or not, if uh, if uh, if you go to uh, um, Dr. Hess, you can help me out here. What are, what are sure. some of the uh, um, alternative medicine guys that, that do uh, help you out with vitamins? Yeah, like like. You're talking about naturopaths, uh, nutritionists, stuff yes, like that. Yeah. People yes. like me. If, if you went, That's yeah, what I do. Went to, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, you're talking to the right man on the radio right now. Okay. Uh, <laughs> they can also, actually, if you were to. Uh, I'm just keeping my right mouth shut on. because I respect I respect what James doing. <laughs> if, if, you were to, if you were to give him an email or, or write him, I'm sure he could put down. Yeah, a, if you have uh, if you have a que- if you have a question, please. Yeah. Do, Please give me an email or uh, PM me, and I'll be I'll be happy to answer what I can. Um, okay. But you're uh, you know the uh, the 
idea of methotrexate, even though it was used as an anti-cancer drug, uh, and it, it inhibits the action of folic acid, and it's called an antifolate. In some people, it uh, it knocks down uh, the overaction of the immune system because in autoimmune diseases, your immune system overreacting to you. It's using you. It's so hyperactive, if you will, that it doesn't mm -hmm. recognize you. Okay, it doesn't recognize yeah. self. This <clears throat> knocks down the inflammation to the point that it recognizes self, and therefore the inflammation drops. And okay. um, I agree with uh, James completely that uh, getting a bit of rest, in other words, developing some homeostasis, is um, really not a bad idea so that, you know, you can your, your body can finally, if you will, see the forest through the trees. You know, um, I, I have a lot of ideas about how to deal with uh, autoimmune diseases, but, you know, I am definitely not against someone uh, utilizing medications in the short or long term um, to bring inflammation down. Uh, we often, we had a show about low-dose naltrexone, which does sim something similar, okay, uh, working mm -hmm. on different receptors, and that's gotten people with MS out of wheelchairs, you know, and I'm certainly not going to argue with that, <laughs> okay, right. yeah. even though that, even though it's essentially a narcotic, but it's not, it's a very low, 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 low dose, at like four and a half milligrams as opposed, so it's working differently, you know, and um, sometimes a holistic approach, as it, it was indicated before, sometimes a, an integrative or holistic approach is kind of the better way to do things, but never let anybody say, oh, this is bad just because it's methotrexate. You know, uh, if you're getting relief and the inflammation's going down, the only thing you should ask yourself and your doctor is, okay, what's the long-term effects and what else can I do to, you know, right. get that inflammation permanently down? You know, what is causing it? You know, that's some of the thought patterns you sh that people should have. Okay, and this yeah, is what, like what we were this, talking about at the beginning is, is why are we treating symptoms all the time? Right. Yeah, and remember, treating symptoms is not a bad deal. You know, it's no, just it's not. It's, it's that's what you have to do. But like, like you just yeah. said, you know, sometimes it's important to find out why is the swelling. Like for instance, right. if if she only has apps, right. um, I've been diagnosed with uh, lupus SLE on top of the anaphylaxis, mm -hmm. which is right. the reason why I have the, the arthritis uh, issue. They they assume it's connected with the lupus. Now that's interesting. They told me that I, you know, the blood work that came back that I didn't have um, yeah. lupus. Yeah. They 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 don't hand the diagnosis out that easily. They they really mm -hmm. want to see. I think it's either four or six markers, six markers before they'll diagnose you with lupus. However, uh, a lot of a lot of people with apps here, you're, you're going to find I think almost fifty percent or almost fifty percent. Uh, seem to have have lupus as their secondary or their primary illness. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, it's one of those things that, like he, Doctor Dress was just saying, you should ask your doctor why why am I having this swelling? Why am I having uh, yeah. these, these attacks? Ask that same question. Yeah, yeah okay. the uh, the uh, the reason you need to drill to drill your doctor, uh, grill your doctor. Sorry. Uh, is to, uh, yeah, sorry, bad word, uh, is that, you know, the use of Band-Aids, there's no dishonor in using a Band-Aid when you're bleeding, okay? Right. The dishonor occurs is when the only therapy you use is a Band-Aid, and right. you never get at the cause of the bleeding. So um, 
The problem with the word autoimmune disease is that in the allopathic or medical mind, it says, oh, well, there's nothing I can do about it. It stinks to be you. Okay? That is wrong. That is wrong. Autoimmune diseases are not permanent. Okay? They can be reversed. Okay? To a certain extent. To a large extent. I'm not, you know, I'm talking generally. But the thought that says, well, you've got an autoimmune disease. There's nothing we can do about it. You know, here's your medicine, you know, um, next person is wrong. And we need Mm -hmm. to, and as we have been, uh, the advocates on this show, the patients who've been going to the doctors, you know, demanding they go further, demanding they look for, you know, is there a way we can, you know, get this inflammation down permanently? What is wrong with me that it's expressing as APS or it's expressing as this or that, okay? It's part, it's a downstream effect of something. Okay, Okay. there's a group of doctors now that are calling themselves the upstreamists. They're saying, oh, we're going to look upstream. And I'm like, I'm going to sue you because that's my concept. (laughs) You you just used a different word. I'm coming to get you. (laughs) You don't want to use bioindividualized medicine. You're going to say, I'm an upstreamist. And I'm an extremist. I'll be right there, you know? You know something, I honestly don't care if everybody, I don't care what they call themselves, if they start looking upstream and downstream, you know, which means mm-hmm. they look at root cause and the effect of the root cause, okay, and then start putting the epigenetics in for, you know, for pointers and maybe believing that cell wall integrity could be a big deal because antiphospholipid syndrome tells you that. You're going to attack those cell walls, and then nothing's going to work, you know. But there's a lot of people with cell walls or leaky cells that don't have APS, but mm-hmm. they have they have leaky cells, and that's one of the reasons they don't want to heal because they don't have enough phospholipids. You know, forget the antiphospholipid syndrome; they just simply don't have phospholipids enough to repair their cell walls. So it's possible, <laughs> but it's worth the ask. It's worth the look. You're looking down in his face and saying, "You will tell me." Okay, <laughs> you'll have to research. That's what I pay you for. You know. Okay. All right. Yeah. You know, be demanding. You know, it's it's you know, be demanding. I mean, <laughs> the worst he can say is leave. Right. <laughs> right. Know? Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's it. it. It is no skin <laughs> off your nose, and like I said before, you can't swing a dead cat around here and not hit a doctor. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and not the only game in town, though. There's going to be somebody out there saying, you know something, if I study a little more, maybe I'll get that patient. Use the free enterprise system. Come on. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm in. Okay. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. Take care. Oh, gosh. That was a nice lady. Yes. Anyway. uh, So, uh, kind of, I think we don't have to, uh, we're kind of towards the end of the show here, so... Could you tell us a little bit about, I, I sent everybody out the websites. Yep. Somebody wants to learn about APS. They have a loved one. They have symptoms that they don't understand. They've been on the Internet going nuts. You know, um, yep. How about encapsulating everything for us and saying, okay, if you have XXXX and X, you know, go to our website, look at this. These are the tests. You know, this is where there can be help and support. Okay. Um well, these are some of the symptoms that you would possibly have if you might have a antiphospholipid syndrome, and that's uh, headaches, chest pain with shortness of breath, 
speech changes, upper body discomfort in the arms, back, neck, or jaw, uh, nausea, feeling sick to the stomach. If you've been diagnosed with uh, blood clots, like a deep vein thrombosis in your leg, or if you've had them more than once, I definitely ask to have the blood test done. Um, and those, those blood tests are again? Uh, well, the one's called the anti-cardiolipin. The second mm-hmm. is a beta-2 glycoprotein-1. And the third is the lupus anticoagulant, or the LA, they call it. Wonderful. And should somebody... Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, sorry. Keep going. And should somebody... No, no, I was just going to ask how, you know, if somebody, you know, needs <clears throat> needs to a- access the support groups, um... They need um, ammunition to go in to their doctor with. Okay, most people don't like to go into a doctor and just complain. You know, they want to go in with something. Well, what I have, if you go into the support group and you put them put it up online, correct? Yes, I have. Um, if you go into the support group at the very top under files, I even have a a, a, a file there where you can click on that prepares you for talking to your doctor. Uh, questions that you might want to ask. Or, you are the man. You are the man. So, and that's <laughs> something I think people should really truly have prepared. I I, I agree. So, that's why I'm I'm just so happy to hear that you have no idea how many people you just helped. You know that yeah, is wonderful. That's very handy. Uh, there's, there's, there's nothing like I want to make sure I kind of get over please over the air if possible. Um, if we want to make sure that our our listeners. Uh, out there understood one thing and that being number one is uh, if we can learn to love one another again as in no one person has too much trouble to stop and help talk or listen to uh, that would definitely help people with uh, chronic illnesses Um, take the time to visit them take the time to try to understand and if you're in a position where you feel rushed or or short you know, short-tempered at the, that specific day or whatever, that might not be a day you want to go visit. Number two is uh, I can prove that we can make this world a better place, one person at a time, one step at a time, and that's basically by what we've done here. It started off with me putting together a website, and look how far it's grown. Mm-hmm. So other people out there you need to believe that you can make a difference in your world around you and in this big world as big as it may seem and the third one is uh, we can never stop learning and growing even in the face of adversity and that was one of my main points of doing this I had two teenage kids at home when I was diagnosed and it was either go home crumple up and give give in or go home and, and show them that no matter what happened, you have to keep moving forward. That's what life's about. Hey, teaching teaching your children how to handle adversity is some of the best things you can do as a parent. James, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, you don't know uh, how impressed I am, how impressed we all are, um, and to be able to tell your story and... Uh, to have taken that adversity and turned it into something positive for so many people, 
you know, I, I, I already know that God's got a special place roped off in heaven for you. You know, I just want to let you know, to, uh, I really, really appreciate it. Um, I really appreciate you having having me on. No, it's been it my absolute pleasure. I've been wandering through the dark trying to figure out what their issue is. I'm hoping we, even if we reach one person this evening, we've we've done our job. Well, I I, I had the self same discussion with the uh, with Linda Elsegood, who is the uh, advocate for low dose naltrexone, and she's in um, she's in England. And um, when she when I interviewed her, um, I think that to date when I looked at the who's listened to the LDN broadcast has been over 5,000 people. Okay, and uh, she did her, she did our interview and did it into a YouTube video on their site. And I told her, I said, you're going to reach thousands of people, not because it's my show, because when people listen to you and they hear your story and realize that you're a real person, that you're not trying to sell them anything, that you're not trying to garner money from them, you're not asking them to buy anything, or but all you're doing is giving them information that may save their lives and, you know, that they can live again when they used to be in a wheelchair. Um, and all of a sudden, out of the woodwork, you know, thousands of people were learning about LDN and many, many, many were helped. And here, here you're, gonna, you're giving them information about what most doctors haven't have probably heard of but just haven't dealt with and you've given them the opportunity to go to to go to your sites and to learn about it and kind of say gee I have a lot of those symptoms and that's something that hasn't been checked you know so how many of those people do you think are going to be found to have this and be able to be appropriately treated okay and that's that's a beautiful thing it really is so that's that's we do not solicit we do not solicit in any way on our support group, by the way. Good. Never. I'm glad to hear it. We, and yes, we never ask for a penny, nor do we let anybody else go on and ask for money. It's a support great. group for people with the illness and their families. You guys can come out. You can talk openly. There's no, you you have to get permission to post. It's open, you know. Mm-hmm. Everybody come out. Everybody share their stories. And, uh, and, I, and I gather you keep an eye on the group to make sure that there's no activities that would be um, against that philosophy. You know, it which is great. Happens. It happens, but you got to get sure. in there and, and you got to kick them off the group. But if you have mm-hmm. the kind of a group where, where every, every single thing that somebody said has to be approved, that's that's not allowing somebody to come on when they need it the most. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, say, you say, say, you, you're, like, my my belief with the group was I needed to have a place where if somebody was going through one of those moments where it was tough to breathe, you could click, get on, and talk, yak, speak, ask for help, whatever, in hopes that the people that came on would be respectful, mindful of, of other people. And so far to date, it's been up there for six years. We've had a few issues now and again, but most mm-hmm. times we get to it right away. Other than that, it, it's an incredible group. It's an incredible family, mm-hmm. and I, I'm proud of everybody that's there. And uh, I've always uh, been of the opinion that um, how, how, like, how can I say this nicely? The leader of a group sets the tone for the group, and uh, from what I can tell, that this group has got a great leader. Okay, because they're you. all following your example. I thank you again. 
Uh, ladies and gentlemen, um, let me announce that in about in two weeks, we're going to have on our show Dr. Kurt Waller. Uh, Dr. Waller is a recognized specialist in biomedical autism intervention, as well as co he's a complementary complementary medical physician with a ton of years of experience. He's written several books, and on November 17th, he has uh, graciously agreed to uh, be interviewed on our show. I'm looking forward to having him. Um, don't forget about the uh, seminar in Philadelphia. If anybody, or if you want your healthcare provider to learn, <laughs> so they don't have to be uh, they don't have to be looked at by a uh, steely-eyed uh, patient and uh, want, wants to learn how methylation and bioindividualized medicine can improve their practice and their ability to um, recognize and treat hidden illnesses. Uh, they can go to mabim.org and um, sign up for the seminar. There are a few seats left, and we will be getting continuing education units. Uh, and lastly, I want to thank you again for all your attention okay, and all of your love. And um, I enjoy doing this show very much. Okay, So many people have written to me and said, with the information they've gotten, they've been able to go to their doctors, or they've been able to help figure out what's wrong and sometimes teaching their own healthcare providers what could be wrong and, uh, you know, and are healing. Okay, it can, it can happen. You know, chronic illnesses do not mean permanent. Okay, you might actually heal. So I uh, bid you good night and thank you so much for joining us. So I'll see you next week. I don't know who we're going to have next week, but we're going to have somebody, somebody good. Getting from there to here It's been a long time But my time is finally here I can feel the change in the way right now Nothing's in my way And I'm not gonna hold it down no more No, I'm not gonna hold me down Just remember, everybody, just like James said, you've got faith in the heart, you have strength, use it, you fall down, get back up, okay, don't give up, you have strength of the soul, this is why I picked this song, this represents all people with chronic illnesses who have been just trying their best, okay, you guys can reach any star, Keep at it. Keep at it. Don't let anybody push it down. Have a good week, people. Thanks for joining me. Good night.
Bye now.